0: chapter 6, Jesus gives us the I am the bread of life saying. The I am sayings of Jesus not only tell us who He is, but they tell us what He is capable of. When Jesus spoke these words, He was on the shore of Galilee in the area of Capernaum and went up to Capernaum. We have stood on that shore and stood in that synagogue, which is built on top, about a fourth-century synagogue built on top of the first-century one that was there. They have unearthed the house of Peter's mother-in-law. They have dug down to the first-century synagogue. The city is destroyed, and one of the reasons the city is destroyed is because of their unbelief. Jesus walked into that community. And offered himself as the bread of life. Now bread is an essential, it's a stable in our lives. But it is highly valued in the East. And especially at the time of Jesus, bread was how people survived. In in fact, no bread was ever thrown away. In the East, when they got through with the bread, when it became a little stale they would stick it in the cracks and crevices of walls and houses so animals or the poor could come by and take scraps of bread out and survive. I have to say I'm not much of a bread person, but some of the greatest bread I've ever had has been in Israel. There's a fact I'm just thinking right now about a Lebanese restaurant on the way to the airport where they serve this bread that is just incredible. I mean, you just want to dump your suitcase out and fill it up with bread and try to get through customs. I mean, it's just an incredible thing. Bread is fundamental to physical life, and Jesus is fundamental to spiritual life. In John six thirty five, He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. One of the dangers of the social gospel, which was very prevalent in the United States in the 50s and 60s as liberalism uh, began to take over the churches, one of the things about the social gospel is it, it emphasizes feeding the poor and meeting the needs, and we need to do that because Jesus said, you do it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. But it does it without sharing the person behind all of that. If all we do is feed the hungry and clothe those who need clothing and don't tell them what motivates us to do it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then in the end, we've just made a person better fed and better clothed but still bound for an eternity without Christ. Now, in John chapter 6, he does three things. First of all, Jesus feeds the hungry crowd in verses 1 through 15. This is not the only time that Jesus fed a crowd, but this is one of the times that he did so. He delivers his disciples from danger in chapter 6, verses 16 through 24. And then he offers himself as the bread of life to hungry sinners, and that's the bulk of chapter 6, verses 25 through 71. C.S. Lewis said it well, physical pain is the megaphone of God. He uses it to speak loudly of our need of Him. You see, people's hearts are aching everywhere we go, every person you meet probably has some hurt, some pain, some void in their life. It is a spiritual hunger. It's not just a physical need. It's not just emotional stress. It is, in fact, a spiritual hunger of the heart that cannot be satisfied apart from Jesus Christ. And so let's look at the sign in verses 1 through 15. Now remember, Jesus had prayed in the model prayer, which we read in Matthew. Jesus had prayed, give us this day our daily bread. Or it could read, give us this day our most basic physical needs. It's okay to pray for your basic physical needs. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, Jesus taught us how to pray. That's one of the things He told us to do. Well, we need to also remember that when Adam and Eve sin, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19 says, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. In other words, what God was going to do for man, man had to start working and toiling in the field so that he could provide for the food and the sustenance he needed to eat. Then you need to remember in Genesis 47 verse 13, in the seven lean years in Egypt when there was a great famine in the land, it says, now there was no bread in all the land. Without bread, we starve physically. Without Jesus, we starve spiritually. Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's met a human need. As you saw in the video, he presents his credentials. He works a miracle that even blows the disciples away about what he does in their midst, and he preaches a sermon, and he says, Verily, verily, I say to you, Jesus was proclaiming himself as deity. And in this passage, beginning in verse 25, you see three questions and one request. They've come from the other side of the sea. So the first question is obvious. How did you get here? How'd you get here? You didn't come over on the boat. How did I mean, how'd you get here? How did you show up? They, they wanted to know a secret. Jesus was trying to show them, you're following me for the wrong reason. You're following me and worried about secondary things. doesn't matter how I got here. What matters is I'm here. Secondly, what does God want us to do? And there he says, believe in the one that he has sent, verse 28. Believe in the one that he has sent. What does God want man to do? He wants men and women and young people and children to believe in the one that he has sent. The third question is, show us a sign what will you do for us? Show us a sign. As if feeding the crowd was not sign enough. As if the miracles to this point were not enough of a sign. That he was someone unique, someone different, not just another teacher. They missed the point by wanting a sign. And then in verse 34, give us that bread every day of our lives. They were looking for a quick fix. They they saw a They saw Jesus as the ultimate welfare program in the bread line. I mean, he was the one that was going to fix all of their problems. Give us that bread. Now, you you need to get this in your head, and we need to get it in our heads, and they should have gotten it in their heads. Jesus said, I am. He did not say, I'll be whatever you decide you want me to be. I'll do whatever you decide you want me to do. He said, I am. And the bread of life is not an it, it's a he. When we are offering people the bread of life, we're offering them Jesus Christ, who became God incarnate when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We talk about the fact that he said when he instituted the Lord's Supper, this is my body, this bread is my body, which was broken for you. This wine is my blood, which is shed for you. All throughout this image here, you see the picture of the body, God giving himself. The background is Exodus chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. Uh, you're familiar with it. They got out of Egypt. And of course, I, I've always been convinced that that uh, crowd that got out of Egypt were the first Baptists. Baptists like to think they started you know, 3,000 years later, but I think they were the first Baptists because the first thing they ask is, what are we going to eat? First thing they did was complain about the pastor. You led us out of Egypt to die. He got them across there. They didn't appreciate that. Pillar of fire, pillar of cloud. They didn't appreciate God showing up and protecting them. They turned around and watched the mightiest army in the world be destroyed. They didn't appreciate that. I mean, talk about ungrateful people. Crying and whining for 400 years, God deliver us, God deliver us, God deliver us, God deliver us. And by miracle after miracle, he opens up the doors to the Exodus, and they go, Is that the best you can do? We read it in awe and say, What would it be like for God to part the Red Sea to destroy the Egyptian army? But they're in the wilderness and they've got a food problem. And they began to do what people do they complained. And God heard their complaint, and he gave them manna. The word manna just simply means, what is it? You kind of look at the table, and you know, uh, when our kids were growing up, Terry would fix something, and sometimes they'd look at it and go, what is it? And if you do what we do at our house, it doesn't matter what it is, just eat it, and be grateful you got food in front of you. Or you give them the line, there are children in China that are starving, (laughs) and you need to eat what's in front of you. So God provided man a free bread, out of heaven. Now if I'd been God, I'd have just dropped a whole loaf on their heads and wiped them out, but I'm, I'm not God. But God provided this food for them. Not only did He provide it, He told them, don't store it except when you collect enough to hold you over on the Sabbath. You come out and get it fresh every day. He said, don't store it, and He told them how to collect it. Why? Because the manna appearing was a reminder to them that every day of their lives they were to trust God for their existence. They had to trust Him for bread, they had to trust Him for water, they had to trust Him for protection. And, And we can say that the life of faith is a New Testament principle, but in reality, the days of the Old Testament, God has always been trying to teach His people to walk by faith, to believe that I am your source and I am your sufficiency. And now their great, 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 great grandchildren are living on the seashore on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee and they're in Capernaum and they're craving a sign. Sometimes we don't learn anything from our past. I mean, they have been taught the scriptures. These people do not live in a world void of a God worldview. They live in a world consumed with an awareness and knowledge of God. And they ask for a sign, which is the same thing that they read about that got their ancestors in trouble, but they learned nothing by reading the Bible. By the way, you can read the Bible and not learn anything. It's only when you apply it, when you embrace it, when you take it in, and you feed off of it, that it begins to change your life. It's not just checking a box. It's, a, it's in getting it into you so it can come out of you with power. So in John 6, 47, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Then drop down to verse 51. You've already seen this whole passage. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Jesus was popular at this point because of the miracles that he had done. He had changed water into wine. He had uh, fed the 5,000. He had done many miracles, and they're not all recorded in the Gospel of John. People were following him because they were seeing miracles and signs and wonders. There's a danger in following Jesus that we begin to believe that it is signs and wonders that make people follow him. You know, let's let's just say that if today somebody walked in here and or couldn't walk in here and they came in crippled and I went down to the front and I met them and I laid hands on them and prayed on over them and they threw away their wheelchair and their walker and everything, and they started running up and down these aisles. Every one of you would go, and every restaurant you went to, and every place you went tomorrow, you'd tell people, Michael Catt healed somebody. But you know, Jesus could heal people by spitting in the dirt, and by rubbing eyes, and by sending people away and just telling them to believe. But to save somebody, he had to die. The miracle is what you saw in the baptistry tonight. Because ultimately all of us are going to die. But the miracle is what you saw in the baptistry tonight. When somebody passes from death unto life and they confess it. And these people were following Jesus and they wanted these signs and they wanted the sensational. They're kind of like it was said of the Romans by 100 A.D., The Romans longed eagerly for just two things, bread and circuses, entertainment. Doesn't that describe America today? Where are we going to eat, and what's on TV, and what's at the movie, and what can I download? We are no different. We have learned nothing in all the history of humanity. Henry Thoreau, David Thoreau, wrote in his journal on September the 2nd, 1851, the more we know about the ancients, the more we find that they were like the moderns. In other words, not a lot has changed. God's people, lost people, still basically look to God like he's an ecclesiastical Santa Claus or a breadline, or a make-a-wish kind of person, and that if they ring the bell, he's supposed to come and do what they want him to do. And Jesus said, that's not why I came. I'm bigger than that. I'm about more than that. and So we come to the source of satisfaction and security. This is found in verses 35, 41, 48, and 51. The source of satisfaction. A couple of things here. First of all, Jesus satisfies. Jesus satisfies. I have met people who have been very disappointed with churches. I have never met anybody that was disappointed who had a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ. I've met people who are disappointed with religion, with preachers, with the religious establishment. But I've never met anybody that fell in love with Jesus that was disappointed in Jesus. I've never met anybody that came to Jesus that says, I wish I had waited longer to get saved. I wish I'd been lost longer. I wish I'd have been away from God longer. No, it's I wish I had come sooner. You see, Jesus feeds us at the depth of our need and at the depth of our longing. When we think about Jesus satisfying, there are a couple of things here. First of all, man is hungry for meaning. I mean, he's just hungry for meaning. You ever watch these political things? They're just hilarious to me. I mean, you know, I'm wondering where do these some of these people have a life? You know, they stand behind the candidate, whether the candidate won the primary or lost the primary, and you you got to know that all day long they've been trying to figure out how can I get where I can DVR this and have my face on television. I mean, you just got to know they're thinking that, and then they're just sitting there smiling. And they're just going on. And you know what? I don't care who we elect in 2012. It's not going to make a dime's worth of difference. You know why? Because there's never been a president that has led this nation to God. And I don't see one on the map right now. President or people running against him. We are a foolish people. If we think through politics we can change the world. Or, as Adrian Rogers used to say, Ronald Reagan didn't bring revival and Bill Clinton couldn't stop one. Here's why that's important. Man's hungry for meaning, so he looks at philosophy and books and films and yoga and seminars, and, and he's all, all, everybody's trying to answer the same questions Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? What am I supposed to do? And what happens to me when I die? Yesterday, uh, Aaron was, uh, Aaron's out in Los Angeles uh, f- filming another movie, and so she had the day off from filming, and so she went to a seminar of the directors of foreign films, okay? So this is the five Golden Globe nominees of the directors of foreign films, and there are about 300 people uh, at this seminar. One of the directors was Angelina Jolie, who made directed her first movie, uh, about Bosnia. And she said, Aaron said, You know, I don't like anything about Angelina Jolie, but that is one beautiful woman. And, and here's what's funny nobody asked any of the other directors a question. They just all wanted to ask her a question. And the moderator kept trying to say to the other ones, well, what did you think about this? What did you do about this? You know why? Because we are so impressed and obsessed with celebrity, and it nauseates God. Can I tell you something? There are no celebrities in the kingdom. None. Zero. Zippo. Nada. None. He said, wait a minute now, Billy Graham's a celebrity. No, Billy Graham's not a celebrity. Billy Graham is a servant of God that has been used by God, and the only reason he's been used by God is because he's been available to God. It's not because Billy Graham was some outstanding, wow, intellectual genius that showed up on the field. It's God sovereignly took an old plowboy that grew up on a milk farm and made him into somebody that he knows even in his 90s he couldn't be without God. You see, God is trying to tell us, you want meaning in life? Quit worrying about philosophy and psychology and, and quit psychoanalyzing yourself and quit trying to figure out all these things and, and reading what this person says and that person says. If you want to know meaning in life, read my book. That's where you find meaning in life. Not only is man hungry for meaning, but man is hungry for peace. Man is hungry for peace. Do you realize that a lot of people yesterday and today, have left stadiums and turned off their television sadly disappointed. They've lost money on bets. Their team has lost. They've walked out to the heckling and ridicule of the fans of the opposing team. And the teams that won yesterday or today, one of them is going to lose next week. And the Super Bowl, which gets so much hype. I mean, now, you know, we're just years away from Super Bowl weekend starting before the football season even starts, just so we can sell more advertising. And all the Super Bowl hype and everything else, if somebody put a gun to our heads, most of us could not name in the odd years of the 1980s and 90s who won the Super Bowl and what the score was. And yet, it's the biggest game of the year. So important that none of us can remember most of them. You say, well, that's cause we're spiritual, brother. No, it's because it doesn't really matter. It's fun to watch, it's fun to be a part of. I like to go to games, I like to cheer. I've got two badges to the Masters for the rest of my life. I'm praying i live a long time. I've got two badges, and I love to go to the Masters, and I love to cheer, and I love to follow golfers around, and everything else. But can I just tell you, I can't tell you who's won three of the nine years in a row that I've been to the Masters. I can't tell you off the top of my head. It's considered the most valuable ticket in all of sports, the hardest one to get. I've got two. Be nice to me. I may let you use one one time. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> 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 but you know, there have been guys that have won the masters that hadn't done anything after they won it. Today's hero is tomorrow's forgotten, worn out, washed up athlete. People search for meaning in entertainment, in music, in in media, and at some point it all just begins to dull us. It's a temporary sedative to an empty life. And then man's hungry for contentment. Jesus is the bread of life says, I I, I not only save, I satisfy and I strengthen. These people got tired of the manna in Numbers chapter 11 In verse 37, Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. And I would add to that if I could just add two words, or disappoint. I've been disappointed by people before, but I've never been disappointed by Jesus. I've been disappointed by how I've responded to Jesus, but I've never been disappointed by how Jesus responded to me. Jesus sustains. Jesus said, Moses fed your fathers with manna, but I am giving life that lasts forever. Verse 51, I am the living bread. Here's one who was born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. He was born of a virgin. He left glory to die for a lost world, and now he's here feeding this crowd. Now, let me just take you back and tell you how much food God provided. Because we know he fed the 5,000, that was men, and then you count the women and children, probably 15,000, maybe even 20,000 people on that day when he fed the crowd. In the book of Exodus, to feed the children of Israel every day, this is what it would have required. Twelve million pints a day of manna that would require 40 trains... Of 60 cars each every day for 40 years and Jesus said that was nothing my father just sent that out of heaven but now he sent me you see manna was just for Israel but the bread of life is for the whole world Manna was to feed people at a point in time until they could go into the promised land. The bread of life is to feed us and sustain us all of our life. Psalms 107 and verse 9 says, For he satisfies him who is thirsty and hungry, he fills with good things. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And then there's the struggle of man and the solution of Christ. In this passage, Jesus calls himself the bread of heaven, the bread of God, the bread of life, and the living bread. You see, when he becomes our bread, he becomes our life. When we feed on him, we find life. Psalm 34 and verse 8, "'Taste and see that the Lord is good.'" Psalm 119, verse 103, "'How sweet are your words.'" to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. When your words came, I ate them, and they were my joy and my heart's delight. Matthew 4, 4, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Job twenty three twelve. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Can I tell you something? Manna did not cost God anything. Nothing. He just created it and sent it. But the bread of life cost God his son dying on a cross for us. You see, feeding people physically was no big deal for God. He was just meeting the needs of his people. But when you go to the core of what people need, they needed something that would sustain them and satisfy not the hunger of their bellies, but the hunger of their hearts. And that was Jesus who came and died. And for us to get the bread of life, He had to die. He had to give His life for us. So, I want you to look at it. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, five times... In this sermon, Jesus says he came down from heaven. Five times he says he was sent by the Father. Now what does that mean? It means that Jesus was declaring to the Jews of that day and to everyone since his deity. Jesus did not say, I'm a teacher, I'm a prophet, I'm a moral example. He's declaring his deity as the Son of God when he says, I came from heaven and I came from my Father. There is no mistaking what he was telling the people of that day and what he's telling us. And then at the Last Supper, he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Now let me give you some passages here. Isaiah 29 and verse 8. It will be as when hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating. But when he awakens, his hunger is not satisfied. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking. But when he awakens, behold, he is faint, and his thirst is not quenched. Then in Isaiah 55 and verse 2, Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Now let's just imagine that you leave here and you need to run by the grocery store before you get home. And your wife says to you what my wife says to me every time we've been out of town and we come back into town. Can you stop by the store? I need to pick up some bread and milk. So we stop by the store. Sometimes she goes in, sometimes I go in. But we stop by the store. I just want you to imagine that I stop by the store. I'm coming into town. I'm ready to get home, ready to check the mail, ready to see what all's there. And I'm going down the bread line, and all of a sudden I come to a loaf of bread, and it says Michael Cat on it. It's got my name on it. And I think, huh, I didn't know I owned a bread company. I don't. But if I pull that loaf off the shelf, I find that it is the bread of life. And if I will take that bread and believe it, that it is for me, designed for me, given for me, sacrificed for me, prepared for me, then I will have abundant eternal life. By the way, every one of you God put his name on the loaf called your life. So that in you, he could be the bread of life, the sustaining power of your life. Look at verse 35. He who comes to me shall never hunger. We need his bread. J.H. Jowett said this, Our religion is dead and burdensome until it becomes a personal relationship and we have vital communion with Christ. Now I want you to see the I am statement broken out this way, and I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up because we're going to sing before we leave tonight, and I want to ask them to come up, but I want you to see it broken down this way. I am myself the bread of life. Jesus didn't say, I came to point you to the bread of life. He said, I'm it. I am myself the bread of life. Not only did he say that, but when he said, I'm the bread of life, he said, I am alone the bread of life. Now, there are all kinds of breads. I mean, you can find all kinds of breads and flavors and everything else out there. But Jesus said, I am alone the bread of life. And when he said that, he was saying, I am the definite article bread of life. Not a bread of life. I can satisfy some people. Other religious leaders can satisfy others. I'm the only one that can satisfy. And then he was saying, I am the bread of the life. The life that we're looking for, the life that we long for, the life that we pray for. He is the bread of the life. And when he says in verse 51, I am the living bread He uses a present active participle there, and this is what it means. I am the bread that makes you alive or the bread that gives you life. If you don't have life today in Jesus Christ, He's the bread that gives you life. He's life-giving. When we go out of this place and we go home and we get up tomorrow and we go to work and we go to school and do all the things we're going to do during this week before we gather again next Sunday you need to remember this quote it's one of the great quotes of all the quotes I've ever heard D.T. Niles said evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread evangelism when we share our faith It's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Isn't that what God wants us to do? He wants us to tell people where they can find bread. Not just food, not just food stamps, not just a meal, not just...